You're listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the SBNY podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, App, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you listen, wherever you listen to, to, to sports podcasts, to podcasts. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to what we got to say here on the SBNY podcast. Also, if you are a listener of the Team Left Jab feed, leftjaballnightradio.com or Team Left Jab Radio on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, wherever you listen to Team Left Jab, thank you for that as well. You may be thinking, if you didn't figure it out already, hey, Team Left Jab, that sounds like a boxing podcast. Now, I'm sure they're talking about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury over on that feed, uh, but they're also looking to expand with some sports content as well specifically of the new york genre and that's what we're here to do on the SBNY podcast in just a moment i am going to be joined by my friend dan canova of nj.com the jersey journal and bet stars new jersey and we're going to talk a whole lot about the nfl the contenders the pretenders and the sleepers as we come up to week third four wait week 14 yeah how about that? Week 14. There's some real separation happening in this league, and we're here to break it down. What teams have a real chance to make that Super Bowl run? What teams that we're not thinking of have a chance to make some noise? And what teams that may be having their spot ingrained in the playoffs may be in line for an early exit? We talk about a whole lot in regards to the NFL, me and Dan, and that's just a ton of fun. That starts in just a few minutes, but first... I wanted to mention a little bit of news. I don't want to call it news, but I guess it is, maybe. I'm talking about an article that you may have seen, or you may have seen some tweets about it. Uh, You can follow me at P. Kennedy with two Ys, but it's about John Wall, and it's about the New York Knicks, right? Did you see this article? Some believe that the Knicks are putting their assets together to make an offer at John Wall. And that, if that's not a, enough of a doozy by itself, then the article went out to say, if John Wall is made available, if, right, like he's not the most available player in the damn league already. I mean, the Wizards would do just about anything to unload that $40 million per year dollar contract. It's not happening. So if you saw this bit of news, you saw a snippet from the article, and you didn't read it, let me just tell you this. Don't put any stock in this article. Please don't, because let me tell you what it said. It said some in the league believe this is happening. And no, it doesn't say some close to the Knicks. It doesn't say some close to John Wall. It doesn't say some close to any team. It just says some in the league. Yeah, you know. Some guy I talked to told me that they're uh, maybe they're going to do this with John Wall and make a trade. No. Don't put any stock into this. This would go directly against what Scott Perry and Steve Mills have been preaching since their regime has taken over. It would go precisely against building with young assets and having cap flexibility. Cap flexibility with John Wall on your roster is non-existent. It's impossible. It doesn't exist. Okay? So if you're nervous, if you saw that and you go, oh my God, they're going to be paying John Wall $46 million in four years. What? His knees are gone. There's no way. This is a- It's not going to happen. All right? So I wanted to put that to a quick end right now. There's nothing to worry about here. Nothing to see here, folks. The John Wall rumor with the Knicks is a no-show. There's nothing to look into. There's no reason to get nervous. You know what? The Knicks just played the Wizards. They just played him. He had a good game. And maybe that was the perfect time to unleash an article full of baloney. All right? So I'm just going to say that. Don't put any stock into that article until you see Woj, Shams, or someone like Ian Begley bring it out there. It's not real. It's a non-factor. I just really needed to get that off my chest. All right? So there's nothing to see here. There's nothing to hear here. The only thing to hear is the SBNY podcast. Dan Canova, myself, Pete Kennedy, NFL, contenders, pretenders, and sleepers alike. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Sports Block New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I am your host. 
making his triumphant return to the SBNY podcast. My man, Dan Canova of NJ.com, the Jersey Journal, and Bet Stars, New Jersey. Dan, it's been far too long. The NFL season is in the nitty gritty. How you been enjoying the season so far? How you doing, Pete? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, everything's been going well. I mean, uh, it's been what two months since uh, I've been on. I'm excited to talk some football. You know, we got a couple big races coming down to the wire: NFC, AFC, um, a couple wild card races, and uh, I'm really interested to dive deep and uh, talk some football with you, man. Absolutely. I mean, the past couple weeks with NBA kind of in the full swing of its early portion of the season obviously with the start we wanted to get in the NBA previews we wanted to talk a lot mm-hmm. of hoop stories and you know I snuck in some football here and there but realistically mm-hmm. I, I, it kind of got lost in the shovel for me even though I've been enjoying every single Sunday but I have a question for you Dan you know you, yeah. you're, you're NJ.com you're your your jersey you're out there with the sports books I, I'm curious especially with the whole bet stars New Jersey thing you're working with over here Mm-hmm. What's it been like so far this season with uh, legal gambling in New Jersey? Now I'm only in New York, and my bus commute to the city goes through New Jersey, so I have a, you mm-hmm. know I have the opportunities to throw in some wagers. But what's it been like for you, especially working with the with the gambling site? Oh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I mean, I I think it was just inevitable that eventually, you know, gambling was going to become legal, and soon it's going to be legal everywhere. And uh, I think it's good for the state. You know, obviously, you know, state making money. Um, I think it's more organized now. You know, you don't have to deal with illegal bookies and this and that. You know, I went to the Meadowlands a couple of times. Um, you know, I just threw in a couple of bets for fun. You know, nothing crazy. You know, just something, it's something to root for, you know. Like, I think, you know, as long as you, you know, it's like going out for a drink. You know, as long as you, you know, monitor it, you don't go crazy. And, you know, it, you just, you just got to take it for what it is. You know, you can't you know, blow your entire salary doing it. <laughs> you just well, got to have hope. fun with it and, and you got to have fun <laughs> with it. And everything's been going good. I mean, like I said, for the best stars, New Jersey site, I've been making gambling picks, NFL gambling picks for their site, um, which has been going really well. Um, you know, obviously working at NJ.com, Jersey journal, obviously covering high school sports in New Jersey and Hudson County. Everything's just been going well. And uh, I mean, it's, it's bittersweet this time of year. Cause you know, love the NFL season, excited for playoff time, but it means the regular season is almost over, you know, like, and you don't want it to end. <laughs> I know. We only have a couple more of those, those beautiful one o'clock slates where you can flip yeah. to Fox or CBS for one game, have red zone in your back pocket. I mean, is yeah. there, is there anything better than that? But wait, I wanted to throw, no. throw something out on that. You know, you mentioned, you know, just like alcohol. If you go out and you over drink, maybe you'll become an alcoholic. I think a lot of people came to terms with this because they realized that anyone, or not anyone, most people who are gambling addicts are going to find a way to do it, whether it's legal mm-hmm. or it's not. So exactly. is that the best reasoning? No, but it definitely helps a lot of people kind of accept it, I think. And you know mm-hmm. what? It's made it a lot more fun uh, for mm-hmm. me uh, just when it comes to talking sports because now all the yeah. shows are yeah. bringing up the spreads because even if you don't like to gamble, I personally find it interesting to look at the yeah. spreads because it shows what the smartest people in the world of sports think of certain teams and certain divisions. And it makes it fascinating in my opinion. And and it shows what they think. Just like we said, the smartest people, NFL analysts, you have all those guys on television and guess what? They're still wrong. Like that just goes to show that the unpredictability of sports, you know, um, yeah, anything can happen at any time, you know? And, and that's, I, I guess that's what's just so fascinating about gambling and sports. And, you know, it's just really come full circle. And, and, you know, I follow the monthly, um, you know, totals of people betting, you know, and it just increased every month from when gambling became legal during the summer to August to September to October to November, and everything just increased because people are, um, you know, really, uh, you know, t- taking a swing at it, you know? Absolutely. And uh, no better time, I guess, to throw in some wagers as the season comes down to the most important weeks of the regular season and, of course, the playoffs. So without further ado, I think we should make our way to talk about some of these teams that uh, I've just found fascinating so far this year. So what we're going to do, Dan, to give the listeners here of the SBNY podcast a little heads up of what we're trying to accomplish with today's episode, we want to make sure that we highlight the realest of the real, the contenders in the NFL. Because, you know, every year there's some teams that you think might be making a run and they come up short. And every year it seems to be that one team that you just didn't expect, you didn't see coming, make it to a conference championship, or hell, even the Super Bowl. And it's all possible, and that's what we're going to do there. So, Dan Canova, why don't you start us off 
Uh, I'm going to let you, because we're doing a little bit of an element of surprise here. I don't know which direction you're going first. So why don't you just take me to either your top contender, your top sleeper, or the team you have no faith in. The floor is yours. You can take this wherever you'd like. I'm going to start off. Let's start off on a positive. I'm going to start off with the team that I love. So the first article I did for Best Stars of New Jersey um, when I when I began there, which was way before the NFL season started, I had to put together a list of ten teams um, based on their odds to win the Super Bowl um, in order of of them actually, you know, possibly winning. So it all came full circle with my number one team on that list, and they've they have a, they have a history of disappointment but this year it just seems like everything could be clicking for this team and the afc which is wide open um they were preseason 40 to 1 odds to win the super bowl which i thought was crazy for a team that is supremely talented um do i take a you want to take a guess at it i take a swing at this team uh yes i think i got it kansas city chiefs or let me say what is the kansas city chiefs Close. Ah, the really? Angeles, the Los Angeles Chargers. Nice. And, All right. And and the Chargers were forty to one odds to begin the season, and they were my number one choice just based on their talent. I mean, you look at Joey Bosa, who was out most of the year, and now he's back and he looks healthy. Melvin Ingram on defense, and you know they have a lot of other key players on defense healthy, and you have Philip Rivers who's been playing unbelievable this year with his weapons, and obviously Melvin Gordon's hurt now with an MCL sprain, but he's expected back, but. They're at 41 odds. Right now, they have three losses. I believe they're 9-3. Um, their three losses, two of their three losses were to the Chiefs and Rams, probably two of the best teams in football right now. And their third loss was a couple weeks ago to the Denver Broncos on a game-winning field goal. They lost by one point, which it happens. You know, which is also a division long, game. Which is also a division game. Season's long. But well, like I said, you know, they're only one game behind the Chiefs. They still have to play, they still have to play the Chiefs this year. Um and who says they still can't win that division? I mean, I think it's open for them. And they're a team that has had so much disappointment in the past with injuries. And, you know, last year I remember they started 0-4 before making a, a late-season run, but obviously came up short with the playoffs. And this year it just seems like everything has been clicking for them. You know, the, the ball has bounced their way more often than not this year. And I think the Chargers, obviously they're going to get into the playoffs, whether they're the – division winners, you know, obviously they play Kansas City one more time, or if um, they, they lock up the number one wild card spot, I think they can make a run. The AFC is wide open. The Chiefs look good, but, you know, they have a vulnerable defense. Kareem Hunt, you know, the whole story with him, that came out. You never know. I mean, they, it looks like they, they struggled to run the ball last week against Oakland. I know Patrick Mahomes is definitely MVP candidate and has been playing out of his mind, but the AFC is wide open. Um, there's no doubt about it. And when you have teams like the Chiefs, you know, obviously the Patriots and Steelers, we know they're always there. You got the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, the, the rest of the AFC, I mean, that second wild card spot, you have Baltimore, who's 7 and 5, and then you have Denver, Tennessee, and Indianapolis, and Miami, who are all 6 and 6. And they are all very close for that second wild card spot. And um, I just think the Chargers have a legitimate chance, you know, with with a guy who's been underappreciated for most of his career, Philip Rubens. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think they have a shot to, to make noise in the, in, the, uh, in the AFC. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy you did two things there. One is you shouted out Philip Rivers because this is a Sports Blog New York podcast. I'm sure there's a bunch of Giants fans here. Uh, you know, Eli Manning versus Philip Rivers is a thing that comes up every once in a while because it's like, who's going to get the real nod for the Hall of Fame? Will it be mm-hmm. Eli Manning with two rings? And, you know, historically very good numbers, but it's really in the era. It's just solid numbers. Philip Rivers has no rings, little playoff success, but phenomenal numbers. So it's really like a a toss-up a lot, and Giants fans don't want to hear it that Philip Rivers is probably more talented than Eli Manning, but I'll leave it at that for now. My second thing that I'm really happy you did here is something that I love to do. You brought up what was thought of a team in the beginning of the season. And I love doing that because it's so easy to forget about what the expectations were. It's so easy to forget, you know, what people were predicting this team to do before the season started, or even in say week three, when this team was one and two. But like you said, their two losses came in the first three weeks against the Rams and the chiefs, the two other best teams in the league. So the chargers are stacked. I mean, the Melvin Gordon thing is the one thing where maybe you might get a little nervous because Austin Eckler may have just shown that he's a better number two than a number one. 
He's a great number mm-hmm. two probably, but a number one might be tough for him. Does mm-hmm. that make you nervous with your Chargers, or are you still feeling confident that Rivers in this uh, eclectic group of receivers that's really talented is enough offensive firepower? Um, yeah, so I, I love uh, you know Melvin Gordon. I think I think he's going to be back in two weeks. Um, you know, he, they just said that he suffered a minor MCL sprain, so uh, I think he'll be back and he'll take over that backfield. Like you said, Austin Eckler is a very solid. He's not number one, clearly. He's a very solid number two, and to, to pair him up with the likes of Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams. And, you know, obviously Antonio Gates still scoring touchdowns. I think the Chargers have a very, very good offense that can, that can keep up with the Chiefs, that can keep up with the Patriots and the Steelers and all those other top teams. stays healthy. Melvin stays healthy. They'll have a very good pass rush that can go to opposing quarterbacks. And, you know, you never know. You never know with, with them. And uh, maybe things are clicking for them now. I mean, you know, in the past, like we said, it seems like the Chargers were always unlucky. You know? Yeah, and for sure. They couldn't close. They, they couldn't close the tight ones because they had no kicker. Oh. They were making bad decisions at the end of games. This mm-hmm. year, they're they're kind of trumping that a little bit, and it's been refreshing. And you know what? As a Keenan Allen fantasy owner, I must say, guys peak at different times of the year, right? And Keenan Allen mm-hmm. was pretty average especially for his standards most of the mm-hmm. season and over the past couple of weeks this guy has been active he's racking up yards catches and putting the ball in the end zone I mean he might be getting hot at the right time and then if he's hot all of a sudden guys like Mike Williams Tyrell Williams and Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon are just going to continue to get one-on-one matchups and open looks absolutely um I, I, love I, I, I was a preseason fan of the Chargers um I had them as my number one choice just for betting odds. You know, the 40 to one odd was like mind boggling to me. The fact that they're, that it was that high out of an AFC, which I thought could be wide open. And I thought, you know, they could, they could win the AFC West, which they still can, you know? Um, and, and I just, I, 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 I think it's solidifying what I believe in. And I think the Chargers, you know, at this time, maybe last year, Instead of nine and three, the Chargers might be, you know, six and six. Right. Or surging, you know, but like well behind in the standings. Absolutely. And and they always made that late season push, but now they don't have to rely on that late season push because they're way ahead they're way ahead of the eight ball now and they can they can make that run. You so know? so is this your sleeper or contender? Let me just get that this straight. Is my, this is my contender. I, I didn't pick anyone crazy. Right. Because I, you know, everyone knows the teams. We know the Saints are gonna make a run in the NFC. We know the Rams are gonna make a run. We know the Patriots, Steelers. We we know the teams. Yeah. All three of the teams that I mentioned are like just weird teams that, you know, you don't know. And and the Chargers are my contender. I think out of the AFC, um Anything's possible. I mean, you know, we know New England, we know Pittsburgh, you know, the AFC South, it looks like Houston. I mean, nine wins in a row after starting 0-3, could they be for real? Um, So I just think, I think the AFC is just so wide open. I think both, I think the NFL is as wide open as it's been in such a long time. And I don't know if I'm just a prisoner of the moment right now, but it just feels so wide open. And I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. Well, you know, you know what, this year, I, I actually agree. And, I don't typically agree with that statement every year because I think the NFL, especially a lot of its fans, especially fans who may or may not like the NBA, try to just mm-hmm. hammer home that the NFL is a league of parity. And and it is. Don't get it wrong. Like, the Bills can beat the Vikings on any given week, and that is a real thing. And the yeah. any given Sunday <laughs> quote, like, that, that's not a joke, right? And it ruined suicide yeah. pools across the nation, I'm sure. But yes. what I usually tend to believe is that the best kind of separate come – post Thanksgiving. So once you pass Thanksgiving, gets a little cold out, teams mm-hmm. get to know each other a little bit more. You really start to see who the studs are. But to your point, I kind of agree because other than the Patriots, right? What team has done this before? So you can say that Drew Brees has done this before, but the team around him hasn't, right? So the team mm-hmm. around Drew Brees that won a Super Bowl, none of those guys exist anymore. Those guys are Absolutely. old, they're out of the league. Most of the, the contributors there. You can say yes. that Big Big Ben is that is, is that guy. What does Big Ben have that won a Super Bowl? I'm not sure how many people remain from the, his last Super Bowl win. Antonio Brown I, wasn't I don't on think the anyone. team. Maybe a couple of their O linemen. So, granted, this team has known success and known playoffs for the past couple of years. They haven't really mm-hmm. done it. So, when I look mm-hmm. up and down this league, I see Tom Brady and the Patriots and everybody else. But that everybody else, as we know has a legitimate chance to take out Tom Brady and the Patriots if they catch him on the road and, you know, they lost in Super Bowls exactly. in their day. I mean, I mean, so it's, it's I mean, happening. 
and if you see the Patriots too, I mean, besides Tom Brady and obviously Belichick, who are you know maybe the greatest coach quarterback deal of all time, probably the greatest, you know. And yeah, but the rest so. of their team, the, the rest of their team too. I mean, you know, they don't have you know guys that are that experienced. You know, they have you know James White out of the backfield, Sonny Michelle, you know, the rookie running back from Georgia. You know, they got Josh Gordon as a little you know you know history with him, and then you know Rob Gronkowski with a couple. No, Julian Edelman. I know they have a couple guys, but even their defense. Does, does the defense of New England scare you? I mean, no, no, not, not at all. really. They're just basically put it this way. I feel like they're a very, they're very beatable this year compared to versus versus in years past. You know, and right. I think I think New England's beatable, which makes it that much more parity and more more exciting. And the fact that anyone could come out of the AFC. I mean, I think it's and uh, same thing with the NFC. I mean, you have the Rams, the Saints. The Cowboys are coming on strong. Oh, uh, as man, of late. it hurts to say it out loud, um, but it's true. And, you know, I, I know. I feel you on that. Now that you have the disappointment teams and, and the Green Bay Packers, who just fired Mike McCarthy after losing at home to Arizona. Um, you know, you have it's, – it's just been a very weird year. I mean, and the, uh, the Super Bowl hangover is real for the Eagles. That, them too, yeah. And, I mean, they've had their share of injuries, obviously, in the secondary and, you know – and it's just hard. To, it's simply hard to repeat. It's hard to have that same hunger that you had the previous year. But hey, they're still in contention. They can still make the wild card. They can still win the division. I mean, it's a big game for them this weekend coming up against Dallas. But uh, like we said, it's. It, I just feel like I don't know if I'm being a prisoner of the moment, but it just feels like the NFL is as wide open as it's ever been. And um, you know, could it be New England making the Super Bowl again? And oh, here we go again, New England. Yes, it could happen, but. Right now, at this moment in time, it's very, very wide open. Right. And last year, you know, you think back to the Jacksonville Jaguars who made it to the AFC Championship game. And granted, mm-hmm. they put they put the Patriots on skates. They had them on the brinks. They had them against the wall. Don't get it wrong. But did any of us ever truly believe that Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to win a Super Bowl? Did, we any, did any of us ever really believe it? I mean... Hey, last year they had an all-time defense carrying them. You know, you had guys like Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson win Super Bowls with all-time great defenses. So could it have been possible? Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, and I didn't see it because, look, look what happened the following year. Blake Bortles is now benched. The Jaguars are in the, are in the cellar in the division this year. The defense is not playing up to par. And, you know, they're back. It seems like they came back down to reality. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, things change. Yeah, it's funny to think about these teams, and we didn't mention a team like the Bears yet. So, you know, I don't have the most faith in Mitchell Trubisky, but clearly they got something working with Matt Nagy calling the plays over there, and their defense is super legit. But, like, in in the American judicial system, it's innocent until proven guilty, right? In sports, mm-hmm. it's quite the opposite. It's guilty until proven innocent, or it's a choker until mm-hmm. proven your clutch. And all these mm-hmm. guys, except for Drew Brees, except for Tom Brady, are uh, chokers and still proven until proven clutch. Even when it comes to Jared Goff mm-hmm. and McVay, who have been absolutely unstoppable this season, and uh, Patrick, Mahomes Patrick Mahomes will make his mm-hmm. playoff debut this year if all things go well. You know. I mean, obviously, I'm just basically saying in case he gets hurt. But you know what I'm saying here? Like, yes. none of these guys have done it before. And Carson Wentz didn't do it last year, and he never got the chance. So, mm-hmm. you know what? It, it is wide open, and especially the key here for the Patriots is home field advantage. They're so used mm-hmm. to just winning that division and often having home field advantage. But with the way that the Chiefs are playing, the way the Texans and Chargers are on their back, they may not have that. And I think that's way more important for the Patriots than some may think. And I think that'll be, that'll be a very enticing storyline. I mean, I hope New England has to go to Kansas city and, and in the AFC championship game and, and has to come away with a win instead of being in their own backyard at Foxborough. You, you want something different, you know, as a, as a football fan, that's what I would love to see, but let's, uh, let's backpedal a little bit here. I'm glad you brought up the bears because that is my actual pretender. Hey, um, a man, Chicago bears. a man to so my own my, heart. That is my pretender, and let me tell you why. Okay, they are in first place in the NFC North, which so happens to be a very overrated division this year. Minnesota is obviously not living up to what they were last year. Green Bay is obviously a mess. The Lions, obviously nothing crazy about them. I love the Bears' defense. I love the acquisition of Khalil Mack. I love everything that's going on for them, and I'm happy for them. Um, There's no doubt about that. But I think they are a very fake division-leading team right now, and let me tell you why. Um, 
first of all, the Bears, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they finished last place in the division last year, which means they are playing a last place schedule this year. So I happened to look over their schedule this year, and they really, at one point this year, they won five games in a row. But guess who they beat? They beat the Jets, the Buffalo Bills. They beat Detroit twice and Minnesota, who looks fake. And that's a division game, and it could go either way. So that's five games. They also beat Arizona earlier this year. They haven't really truly beaten anyone. And that's why, I mean, listen, they they play who's on their schedule. That's not the Bears' fault. You know what I mean? I don't want to look. I don't want it to look like I'm blaming the Bears. But look, they came into New York. I know they were with their backup quarterback Chase Daniel this this week against the Giants, and they lost to the Giants. I mean, we know who. The, uh, no, no offense. I know you're you're a New York Giants fan. Hey, hey, and hey, I'm hey, sure hey. A lot of and I'm sure a lot of <laughs> New York Giants fans are going to be listening to this podcast, but. The fact that Eli Manning has, I mean, the fact that Odell Beckham has more 40-yard passes than Eli Manning this year, <laughs> two to zero, I think that just tells you that that what what the Giants' season has become. And and we talked about it on the last podcast, and that's when I really ripped into Eli Manning, and it continues to be proven. I mean, you know, the Giants, you know, are not real, and the fact that the Bears came here, laid an egg, gave up 30 plus points to with, with a supposedly good defense against the Giants. And then now this week coming up, they have the Rams. They also still have to play Green Bay, which is not, you know, which is no walkover because they still have Aaron Rodgers. And then they have to play Minnesota again. So I guess over the next couple of weeks, we'll really see how, how, how true the Bears are. I still think they're probably going to win the division just because of the lead that they've, you know, that they've increased on in their division. But to me, the Bears are a one and done. I think they're going to play. They're they're gonna host a first wild card game. I know they're like five and one at home this year, but I think any of those wild card teams teams that are fighting in the NFC um, have a chance to, to go into Chicago and, and beat them because I, I don't, I'm not really sold on the Bears. Um, and like I said, I know they can only play what's on their schedule. That is what it is. But they haven't beaten anyone, and I'm not sold on the Chicago Bears. And that's my pretender team. For, for in the NFL this year so far. I, I love it. I'm I'm all on board with your pretender team. If I was making my decision, I was picking them as well. And I remember a couple weeks back, you know, me and my dad are talking about some of the spreads on a Sunday, and he's he does some friendly betting with his cousin. He's like, you know, the Bears are on our TV today. What do you think about them? You know, and I was like looking through their schedule, and at the point, I think they were, they were going in to play maybe the Lions or something like that, I forget. And they had mm-hmm. been on a little streak. Maybe it was when they were playing the Vikings. And I looked through their schedule, and like you said, they beat the Cardinals and the Buccaneers and the Jets and the Bills. And they beat the Seahawks, right? They beat the Seahawks mm-hmm. in Week 2. But that was before the Seahawks found their identity, in my opinion. So when the Bears go at home and play the Rams this week, play the Packers, who are going to be throwing some pride on the field, I assume, in the final four weeks where Aaron Rodgers isn't going to just lay over and die, I don't believe. And then also mm-hmm. have to play at the Vikings in the last week of the season. Now, the Vikings schedule isn't a walk in the park, but they have the Seahawks, mm-hmm. Dolphins, Lions. Three winnable games. The Seahawks are very, very tough out. Maybe talking about them in a minute. But the Dolphins are beatable, <laughs> and the Lions Dude, are beatable. Are. We are on the same page today, my friend. I love that it. Is my team, that is my team flying under the radar. That's your sleeper team? All right, wait. Hold off on is... them for a minute because I, I want to talk about the Seahawks. I think they're fascinating right now. But <laughs> the Vikings have the, the, the Seahawks. It's going to be tough but, but, but winnable. Dolphins and Lions. So if they happen to win those three games and the Bears slip up a little bit, mm-hmm. you can look at the Vikings creeping up and possibly playing – a potential division-winning game over mm-hmm. in Minnesota against the Bears in Week 17. Uh, Absolutely. Nonetheless, it could be a very tight game and important for the Vikings to make the playoffs and uh, important for the Bears for home field advantage. And, man, I want to see Mitch in high-pressure situations because I, I don't have that much confidence in him. Matt Nagy sets him up with a platter. He sets him up with yes. a platter of plays to make. Yes. And, yes, he does kind of move around very well. And, yes, he does make some plays with his feet, which helps him a ton. But those plays get tighter and tighter as the season goes on and the playoffs arrive. So I'm with and, you, man. And look, when I when I break down a quarterback, I look at more than what they can do with their feet. I, I, I really like a quarterback, what they can do from the pocket. And I think Trubisky, I know he's young, um, and I know he's still growing, and it's his first year with Matt Nagy. But 
I think he relies on his feet too much and, and trying to run instead of sitting in the pocket and being a quarterback. Because to me, when I think of a quarterback, I think of someone who sits in the pocket and can throw. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, I don't see him being successful with, with Baltimore. I know he's off to a great star, and, but guess what? He beat the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Falcons last week, who are all loser teams. We keep, we and, keep thinking the know, Falcons are going to come back and play a good week, and they never do. We do. <laughs> we do, but they just, they just are probably – Probably the Atlanta Falcons and the Green Bay Packers are the two most disappointing teams in the NFL this year, off the top of my head. Absolutely. Um, but but the, but the Chicago Bears, like I said, Mitch Trubisky, I need to see more from him in the pocket. He's got the weapons. He's got Tariq Cohen. He has you know Jordan Howard. He has Allen Robinson, Trey Burton. He's got a load of weapons with a good offensive line and a great defense. So everything, like you said, is on a silver platter for him to succeed. However, I just don't see it from him. I just don't. No, I, I very I trust my judgment on quarterbacks because that's a position I played growing up. It's a position I really love studying and I love watching, and it's a position I really love to break down. My favorite in all of sports. And when I look at Trubisky, I just don't see that it factor with him. I just don't see it. I mean, could could it change? Um, like we're going to talk about Seattle in a little bit, and Russell Wilson's one that has grown on me over the years, and, I, and we'll explain in a little bit why, but. Trubisky, I just don't see that yet. I just do not see that with him yet, and hopefully he can prove prove me otherwise. And now let me drop a stat on you real quick that'll segue you into your into your sleeper pick in the Seattle Seahawks. So a, a, mm-hmm. a, a nice stat I like to look at from a team-wide standpoint is point differential. It's a pretty simple one, but it kind of gives you a good glimpse of what teams are for real, what teams wins Mm-hmm. just gets squeaked out, or maybe it's a couple of blowouts that help change the point differential. So let me just say that the Bears beat the Buccaneers 48-10. to 10, So that's a plus 38 right there. But on the mm-hmm. season, the Bears are plus 100. They've scored over 340 points. They've only given up 240. The 240 mark is one of the lower marks in the league. So very impressive defense, all that. Mm-hmm. But when all those points come against one team, it becomes a little bit more fishy. But the reason I yeah. bring that up, I don't want to say like their plus 100 doesn't matter, but the Seahawks plus 100 does matter. Uh, well, the Seahawks are actually plus 60. But when it comes to a tighter game, when it comes to a quarterback needing to make plays down the stretch, and you see the Seahawks and you see the Bears, the Seahawks defense has given up a very little amount of points, just under 260, not too far off from the Bears. And when you look at the way Russell Wilson can rally this team, the way their run game has come on this season – I mm-hmm. just have a different vibe with the Russell Wilson-led Seahawks, even though they're not as hot, they're they're not as big as a story as the Bears right now. Yeah. If you face them off head-to-head, I'm picking the Seahawks 10 times out of 10, and that goes back to I my agree. point of you're a choker until proven that you're clutch. And Mitch Trubisky hasn't proven to me that he's clutch just yet. I'm going with Russ. So tell me why you like the Seahawks so much. Well, I love the Seahawks. Honestly, you you put it on a platter for me. Um, They beat the likes of Dallas. They beat Carolina. They beat Green Bay. This is going to be a very big week for them when they take on Minnesota on Monday night. That could determine one of the wild card seats um, for for both teams. Um, Obviously, Seattle's probably out of the – they are out of the division mix because the Rams already wrapped that up. But Seattle is very – the thing with Seattle is when they were the Legion of Boom and they were relying on their defense, I was a critic of Russell Wilson because I'm like, can this guy lead this team without this defense? And I'm I'm a I'm obviously a, an Indianapolis Colts fan. I'm a big Andrew Luck fan. I was like, Andrew Luck is better than Russell Wilson. You know, um, they're both in the same draft class, and I still stand by that. I think Andrew Luck is a overall better quarterback than Russell Wilson. I really truly believe that, and I think him coming back one year with his torn labrum in his shoulder and doing what he's doing with the Colts with a new offensive coach and everything new in Indianapolis. It's he's incredible. been a fascinating he's been in a fascinating story. I'm a little disappointed with their letdown last last week six nothing against the Jags. That you you kind can be you can be a me. lot disappointed if you want. Yes, I am. I am <laughs> a lot disappointed. <laughs> but but Russell Wilson, I mean now the fact that their defense isn't what it once was, it's still very good, but it wasn't what it once was. And he's developed in such, into such a great passer. He can move in the pocket. And does he rely on that a lot? Absolutely, because of just what their offensive line is and the fact that his weapons are Tyler Lockett and Doug Baldwin, and a bunch of no-names and running backs that involve Chris Carson and Mike Davis and you know Rashard Penny, who hasn't been great as a rookie. And Russell Wilson is... It just goes back to the fact that when you have a great quarterback in the NFL, it trumps everything because they will give you a chance year in, year out, every single year. And Russell Wilson, 
even though the Seattle Seahawks aren't what they used to be on defense, which is what got them to two straight Super Bowls, Russell Wilson is still making them a competitive team every week. And they beat Carolina and they beat Dallas who just beat the saints and they beat green Bay. And, you know, and, and it just seems like, like you said, everything is clicking for the Seahawks now. And this week will be very big on Monday night when they take on Minnesota and a key and a key game that can determine a wild card for both teams. And I'm very interested in seeing that. And I just love the way Russell Wilson has been playing. And, and like I said, I was very skeptical of him early on in his career, kind of like how I am of Trubisky right now. But Russell Wilson has the leadership. He's got the arm, the accuracy, and he's developed into a, a very, probably a top five, top six, top seven quarterback in the NFL. I mean, there's not many guys I would take right now over Russell Wilson. And I, I mean, I would love to see what he'd be like in an offense like the chiefs, you know, with weapons everywhere and, and things of that nature. But clearly Russell Wilson is the real deal. Like I said, skeptical of him in the past when they had that awesome defense. And like we said, they still have a very good defense now, but Russell Wilson, I mean, him doing what he's doing with Seattle with a bunch of no names on that offense. Um, it's pretty remarkable. Honestly, it really is. And, and that's, that's, and that's why honestly, they, that's why, and that's why they are my, they are my team that's flying on the rail. I just love how we're on the same page with, with uh, with all three teams, basically. And the fact that you brought up the Bears before I did and the fact that you brought up the Seahawks before I did, which is just unbelievable. <laughs> For real. And uh, the Seahawks, you know, they shed Jimmy Graham. No more star tight end or whatever you want to call Jimmy Graham at this point in his career. Um, mm-hmm. Doug Baldwin has not quite been himself throughout this season. They have a, no. um, a, a slew of running backs, Chris Carson and Mike Davis, who are just not special but strong, run hard, and they fit Russell mm-hmm. Wilson perfectly. And, um, you know, another quarterback who is very much so guilty until proven innocent has been Kirk Cousins, whose primetime yes. record is just not very good. So mm-hmm. not to tip my hand, but I think the Seahawks could take the Vikings on in primetime Monday night. I think they could. Um, Kirk Cousins, you're right about him not being, you know, and then in the big game against New England last week, only scoring 10 points. It just feels like, you know, Everything hasn't clicked for Minnesota in this year, uh, like like it did last year. I think their defense was a lot better last year, but it's hard year to year. You know, last year they went thirteen and three. This year they're struggling a little bit more. Um, but they had they had their injuries this year. Everson Griffin wasn't right. You know, Dalvin Cook wasn't right. I know their their um, wide receivers Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs have had great years, but. You know, just sometimes year to year in the NFL, it's it's crazy. It's crazy how – and that's what goes back to the New England Patriots, just consistency every single year and why their run will never be duplicated because it's so hard to be to be consistent every year. And like like we said, if the Bears do manage to win the NFC North um, this year, I, I would put a million dollars on it that they don't win it next year just because of the inconsistency of the NFL and – that division and the Vikings could bounce back next year and the Green Bay Packers could bounce back next year. And the, fir- and, and the first place schedule. And the first place schedule, exactly. So I, I just – it's just it's just so wide open this year. And then with the wild card, you know, you have Minnesota, Seattle, like we mentioned. You still have Carolina, who's not out of it, even though they've had a tough couple of losses. Now I think Cam Newton's dealing with a shoulder injury. And, you know, you have the Eagles are still in play. You have Dallas who's still in play, even though I think Washington is completely done since Alex Smith has been hurt. They're still in play. And you still have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who did beat Carolina last week, and they're still kind of in play too. I mean, if they manage to get a big win this week at home against New Orleans. So, I mean, the NFC is wide open. It's still wide open. And, like I said, I'm just so excited to see the next uh, next four weeks um, of the NFL season. Well, the Buccaneers are the spoilers of the century. I mean, whether it be Fitzpatrick throwing for 400 yards or Jameis Winston slinging the ball across the field, it seems like no matter who they're playing, they have a chance because they're so erratic. But that that erraticism, is that, I don't think that's a word, but I might have made that up. But their, <laughs> their erraticness works in their favor every couple weeks, and they can beat mm-hmm. just about anybody. Uh, also, another shout on the Seahawks, Rashad Penny has kind of come on later on in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he really has. Um and also, just for the, the Seahawks schedule, since we broke down the Bears, I think it's only fair to kind of break down the, the way the Seahawks thing has, has rolled out. So they lost mm-hmm. their first two games this season. And like I said, they lost to the Bears in Week 2 before they realized that they were a run-first team. Last year, mm-hmm. all we did was crap on the Seahawks' offensive line. Russell Wilson was running for his life every play and somehow making it work and being the highest fantasy-scoring quarterback in the league. This year, their offensive line has been strong, and they have a strong run game, which doesn't even make sense with the way the offensive line played last year. But 
like you said, they beat the Cowboys in week three while they were kind of sputtering. But then their losses, we talk about college football a little bit, and they care about, you know, how bad was your loss, or even in college basketball. What were your what were your losses like, right? The Seahawks have lost to the Rams twice and the Chargers since week three. That's it. They've lost to the that best is, team yeah. in the league in the Rams, or one of the best teams in the league, and the absolutely steaming hot Chargers. So, mm-hmm. you know what? You look at that team, knocking off the Panthers, knocking off Aaron Rodgers, easy win against uh, San Fran. They have San Fran and Arizona coming up two of the next four weeks. This team is looking at nine wins, and if they sneak one out against the Vikings or the Chiefs, we have a 10-win Russell Wilson-led Seahawks team rolling into the playoffs. And I don't want to see Russ in the playoffs. That's just it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And and we say all the time when I have discussions with my brothers, with my cousins, um, in the NFL it comes down to, to one thing. It comes down to two things. It comes down to consistency week in and week out. And it comes down to winning the close games. Because if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, all NFL, all players in the NFL are there for a reason. They are, they are supremely talented, whether you're on the Buffalo Bills, whether you're on the Cleveland Browns, or whether you're on the New England Patriots. It just comes down to the reason why the New England Patriots are great every year is because they're consistent week in and week out. And the reason why the Buffalo Bills aren't great is because one week they could beat the Minnesota Vikings and the next week they could lose to the Miami Dolphins. So and it comes – the NFL – in the NFL, it really comes down to consistency week in and week out, and it comes down to winning those close games. A couple of years ago, the Oakland Raiders, led by Derek Carr, went 13-3 before he got hurt, and then they eventually lost in the playoffs. And I remember – if I remember correctly, they won like nine close games, I think within seven points or something yeah. like that. So Derek Carr was like magical. That, he was magical in fourth quarters. Yes, and year in and year out, it comes down to winning those games. And the fact that you know the, the, there's teams out there like that that can do it. You know, you have you had the, the like I said, the Raiders from a couple of years back. Last year it was the Eagles who did it. You know, the Eagles obviously went thirteen and three, rallied around uh, Carson Wentz getting injured. And everything came full circle for, for the Eagles and, and their and their Super Bowl run. So it just comes down to consistency for me. It comes down to winning those close games. And, and I think the teams that we mentioned, like we said, the Chargers in years past were unable to win those close games by game-winning field goals and everything. But everything's coming together for them this year. And, you know, and that's why I'm interested to see with the Chiefs because they've been blowing teams out. They've been putting up 40 points here, 40 points there. But when it comes down to the nitty-gritty and the playoffs and when you have to rely on your defense and when you have to put together, a, you know, you're down 10 in the fourth quarter and you have to put together two drives to tie it and then win it, I want to see what Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid can do because Andy Reid, I know he's never had a quarterback as talented as Mahomes, um, but he's been known to fold under pressure in the playoffs with the Eagles as a head coach, with Alex Smith as his quarterback in Kansas City. And like we said, I think Mahomes is by far the most talented quarterback that he's had. But guess what? Mahomes is basically a rookie this year. So he doesn't have – he still needs to get his feet wet. I mean, you know, with, with playoff failure, I just don't see the Chiefs, oh, in this first year making a run to the Super Bowl and winning it because – I feel like you need to overcome some adversity, and I feel like the Chiefs haven't really done that yet. You know, they haven't had that adversity. Whereas the Rams last year, you know, they lost in the the playoffs to the the Falcons. They had a little bit of of adversity with Goff's rookie year. Well, I can see the Rams making a playoff run, even with the Saints last year. You know, obviously Drew Brees is a guy that's been in the league for a long time, but the Saints losing on that terrible, you know, Minneapolis miracle. And it seems like they just came out with hunger this year. And I think think them losing to Dallas – Will prove will prove a lot to who they are because I think they needed that they were just rolling through teams the Saints and I think they needed a a, a sign to say hey we're, we're we're beatable and I think I think the Saints will rally around that and I think I think they're going to go to the Super Bowl and I think I think the Saints are going to make a run um, especially if they can manage to squeeze out home field advantage yeah um, which looks like they're so going to yes I mean well eh, not again, the, except for the Rams of course. They'll, they'll get it. The they'll get it until the uh, NFC Championship if they run into the Rams. Yes, and I mean if the Rams manage to lose one game, one more game this year, um, you never know. I mean, then then it'll be tied, and then Saints would get the tiebreaker because they beat them head to head. So, um, you know, you, you you never know which way uh, things the ball can bounce because you know even the football isn't round, um, <laughs> so it could, it, could, it could bounce anywhere. But I just love the way the the, the direction that this NFL season is headed, and I think for sure. There's no doubt about it that 
you know, like we said, Seattle's under the radar. Do I see Seattle making a true Super Bowl run? I don't know. I think there's a few other better teams in the NFC this year than than them. But like you said, I, if I'm the Saints, if I'm the Rams, I don't want to play Russell Wilson in the playoffs. I don't no. want to play him. Absolutely you know? not. And, and then, you know, I'd rather play the Bears. I, I, if I'm an NFC team, I'd rather play the Bears. I'd rather go into Soldier Field and play the Chicago Bears and take on Russell Wilson coming into my into my stadium and, and, and playing them. So, I just think there's a lot of parity going on. I think it's a very wide, wide open um, NFL this year, and I, I, there's definitely no lock. There's That's it. No lock I mean, for real. There's one more team I definitely want to talk about, and then you know, after this, okay. I'll let you close out on your Indianapolis Colts. I think they're absolutely fascinating, and I have a thing or two to add there. But you just mentioned mm-hmm. this team as the team who knocked off the Saints last week. That's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, if you yeah. asked me about the Dallas Cowboys four weeks ago, I was like, they're trash. They're done. <laughs> Dak Prescott is trash. <laughs> They have no playmakers outside of Zeke. They need help. Their defense is good, but it's not enough. And I was just all in on the Bears are trash, right? I mean, the, the mm-hmm. Freudian slip. And I was, the Cowboys and I was right trash, with you. Right? And I was but, right with you. But I was I'm, right wa- with you. I'm watching the Cowboys now, and they have that vibe from Dak Prescott's first season where they're going to be consistent. And you're talking about consistency. They're going to get chunk plays from Zeke. They have a receiver who can separate in Amari Cooper now. And that defensive line is stacked. They are sick. They get after the quarterback. And I hate that I'm giving the Cowboys props right now, but do you also feel differently now? I mean, are we drinking the Kool-Aid on the four-game win streak, or I, does this I, team have some real uh, juice to it? I, I think it does, and um, and I actually predicted. I didn't predict uh, one of my articles on Bet Stars was the Cowboys was a lock covering the seven and a half point spread against the Saints a couple weeks ago. I, I, I that was a lock to me. I just had a gut feeling about it a large percentage of the public money was actually on the saints. And I was like, Dallas is at home and they're getting seven and a half points. Dallas is either going to, they're definitely covering this game, but I was like, they might even win this game just the way they're playing. And it was a tough gritty game. They got to breeze. They got that defensive line and Demarcus Lawrence leading the way. But I want to talk about a rookie in lightning bander S who's been unbelievable. That, that kid has been all over the field at a Boise state and he's been, done such a great job filling in for the always injured Sean Lee as a rookie. Um, and and I play actually fantasy football where we have individual defensive players. And uh, for some reason, Lightning Vanderess, we have a rookie draft, and he dropped to the third round. And I was like, how the hell did this guy drop to the third round? And he's a top 10 fantasy linebacker this year. Uh, he's been awesome. I mean, he's, he's, he's all over the field for Dallas. You can see that he's you know provided a spark for them defensively. And I think... You know, the four, Dallas got back to its formula. You know, I think getting Amari Cooper gave defenses something else to look at besides Zeke, so teams can't crowd eight in the box. And obviously, when Dallas runs the ball, they can rely, you know, they're, they're successful. And I think they have to stick to the run, play action. Amari Cooper has been very solid since he's been with the Cowboys. And I think there's no doubt about it. Um, I prefer the Eagles winning that division because I'm, I'm choose my brother is a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I just hate the Cowboys. I'm not really a Cowboy fan, but I really so I, I won't be rooting for the Eagles this coming this coming week. Uh, but I think Dallas is just going to win the division. Um, I, I do. I really think they're going to win the division this year. They feel like a lock. They really do. And I think the, they do. the Eagles are the only real competitor. Unfortunately, the Redskins season ended, like you said, with Alex Smith's injury. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, are you familiar with Greg Cosell, NFL Films guy? I am. I love Greg Cosell. I guy's watch, amazing. Um, Colin. I watch The Herd with Colin Coward yes. all the time, and when he, when he comes on, I love Greg Cosell's breakdowns. And it's mu- it's must-see TV for a football fan. He really it's, is. It's awesome. He really is. And Greg Cosell really and Cowherd talk a lot about the Cowboys. Basically, every week, it seems like every week, they're talking about Dallas in some capacity. And what Greg Cosell always says in regards to the Cowboys' offense is that, yes, it's simple, but what they do is they set up their playmakers, their, or I should just call them skill position players, because I don't want to call them all playmakers. They're not all that. But they set up mm-hmm. their players to beat defenders one-on-one. And the problem they had in the first couple weeks is that they were rolling out, what, Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley and uh, a couple of slow tight ends like Swam, Swam whatever his name is, to, to beat yeah, defenders. Swam. And those guys just don't beat defenders consistently. No. And the one thing Amari Cooper did in Oakland, even when he was putting up duty stats – was create separation. And he also mm-hmm. says that Dak Prescott is not an anticipatory thrower. He throws it when they're open. And what is two plus two? It's four. When a receiver can create space, Dak will hit them. 
and Amari Cooper mm-hmm. in his worst of games, in his best of games, no matter what, he consistently creates space. And if he can continue mm-hmm. to do that, he adds an element to this offense that hasn't existed Absolutely. since Des Bryant was Des Bryant. And that was like three yes. or four years ago. And he's definitely a Cooper. I mean, I know a lot of teams bashed the trade because of how poor his performance was in Oakland. And I mean, um, and I think him coming over to Dallas, I think he reju- rejuvenated his own career. And I think he uh, rejuvenated the Dallas Cowboy offense. I don't think they would. I don't think they go on this winning streak without Amari Cooper. I think he just brought a different element to their offense. Uh, defenses had to prepare for him downfield, and he's he's put together great games and and obviously opened up the run with Elliott. Prescott has been a much better, more efficient passer, and obviously they've been running the ball, controlling the ball, controlling the clock and relying on their defense, which is top one of the best defenses in the league. I can't believe I'm saying it, but Dallas is one of the best defenses in the league. So they have the formula for success to win in the playoffs. Yeah, They have the formula to win in the playoffs. They have the formula to go into Los Angeles and beat the Rams. They have the formula to, to beat the Saints, which they already did. So Dallas, don't be – I think they're going to win the NFC East. I mean, obviously it's going to come down to this week against the Philadelphia Eagles, but – don't be surprised if those Dallas Cowboys uh, make make a little run in, in, in the playoffs as well. I agree. And something I brought up, I wanted to bring up earlier in the pod that I hadn't gotten to until now is the way the playoffs work. And you just tossed it up for me here. You know, you see these 50-point games with the Chiefs and the Rams in the regular season. My best bet would be that if they met up in the playoffs at some point, and oh, it would be the Super Bowl, obviously, the Super Bowl is a little wacky and all, but I wouldn't expect the absolute air show that you got in the regular season. The defenses tend to tighten up. The offenses get uh, tend to be more studied. There's more preparation from each team on each side. So I'm looking at the playoff games from last year, right? And you look at all the games. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 games with the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. only... Four games where people scored over 30 points. Five games, I'm sorry. So that's half the games. That means most of these games are in the 20s, in the teens, and uh, there was that one wacky Steelers-Jaguars game that was in the 40s, and that is an absolute outlier. It's an absolute yeah. outlier. You see 24-20. You see 22-21. That's what you get in the playoffs. And the Cowboys probably aren't going to survive in a shootout where they need to score 38 points to win. But if they need to hold a team to 17 and score 21, they're about they as good win. a candidate to do it as anybody 100%. else right now. And it's it's like I said, it hurts to say out loud, but it's true, and that's how that, I feel. That's a that's a very good point because like we always talk about it as well. Yeah, the 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 offenses win in the regular season. You know, it's it's great seeing Mahomes throw four touchdowns a game. It's great seeing Breeze light up the scoreboard and the Rams doing whatever they want on offense. But I really want to see what these teams do when a tough defense that comes and punches you in your mouth in the playoffs, how do these offenses react? And that's why I'm keeping my eye on teams in the AFC, like, like the Texans, like the Chargers, who can maybe be, have a good defense that punches Kansas City in the mouth and comes away with a shocker. You know, because Houston has as good an offense as everybody else. I mean, I'm not really 100% sold on Deshaun Watson, but he has the weapons. He has the DeAndre Hopkins. He has now Demarius Thomas. He's got a solid running back in Lamar Miller. Um, so he has the offense to keep up with high-scoring teams. But I don't think the Chiefs have the defense to be able to stop Houston like Houston has the defense to be able to stop Kansas City. You know, so I think those defenses will prove their worth once playoff time rolls around. And that happens every single year. Everyone falls in love with the aerial attack and the offense and the show and, and show time and every, and all the bright lights of scoring. But when it tightens up in the playoffs and when that playoff atmosphere hits, hits the gridiron, I want to see what happens with, with those teams. And, and it's going to be very interesting to watch. Absolutely. And, um, you know what? I, I may I may rescind a statement I just made. If the Chiefs and Rams do face off in the Super Bowl, I really hope it's like forty eight to forty five or some crap like that. I really <laughs> do. That would be absolutely electric. Just Goff and Mahomes just slinging downfield and Cooks and Woods just running wild with Tyreek Hill. And one thing we we don't have to dive into right now. It's a much bigger conversation that we're not going to have on this podcast at the moment. But let's see how Spencer Ware fills in the shoes of Kareem Hunt and what yes. does that mean to the Chiefs' offense? I mean. We're not talking about the off-the-field stuff, but Kareem Hunt on the field is an extreme game-changer. So what do the Chiefs look like moving forward without 
an absolutely dynamic running back. What can Spencer Ware bring to the table? It's going to be interesting to see. But Dan, last thing I want to give you the moment here. I want to, this is your moment. You mentioned before you are a Colts guy. You are an Andrew Luck guy through and through. So you deserve this. Andrew Luck has been awesome to watch. He's been impressive. They're six and six, but they they're a few plays away from being a little bit higher, and they're in striking range if things bounce their way for the playoffs here. So a how proud are you of Andrew Luck and this Colts team? And B, what's your outlook for if it doesn't happen this year, the next couple? Um, I love I, I love what the Colts are doing in their first season. I love the direction that they're headed in with Chris Ballard, the general manager, Frank Wright. I like the fact that Frank Wright, you know, even though a couple risks that he has taken this year hasn't gone their way, I love the fact because that's that's how you win football games. That is why the Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions because Doug Peterson wasn't afraid to go for it on fourth and one. And, and call the Philly special and go for it later on in the game on a fourth down. Because you to win football games, you need to do things that are out of the ordinary, and that one of those things includes doing things like going for it on fourth down. So I do appreciate Frank Wright doing that because you have a quarterback that can make plays and, and, and do things like that. Um, I was so proud of Indianapolis until last week. I mean, they won five games in a row. Um, they didn't be great teams, but um, they won. They won the games that they were supposed to win. They won close games like they were supposed to win. A couple of the early season losses hurt them, and it might hurt them with a potential playoff spot later on, like losing to the Cincinnati Bengals and losing to the Houston Texans, which they could have won that game, and they play them again this week, which will obviously be a big um, decider in their playoff hopes. But to lose in Jacksonville 6 nothing. I mean, if you told me the Jaguars were going to score six points, I was like, oh, we're, we got this game on lock. Like, well, if we can't score a touchdown on them, and I mean, the Colts were at the one-yard line, went for a fourth down, didn't get it. Um, there's a lot of things that just didn't go their way. The field looked very sloppy last week. There was just a lot of things that just didn't go their way last week, and it is what it is. And I think the Jaguars were just able, because we're forgetting that the Jags still have a good defense, and I think they were just able to have a pass rush against Luck. They made them un- uncomfortable, and they were able to play one-on-one coverage with their big corners and honestly shut down a very, very average receiving core. I mean, Ebron came on this year with, with a new system and a new team, and he's been playing really well at tight end. Um, I think Jared Doyle's injury uh, is big for the Colts because he's a security blanket for luck. And fascinating stat with that because I follow all the Colts writers. The Colts are now 1-5 without Jack Doyle this year. Really? Um, you know, and, and they were doing really well with him, obviously, you know, with their big, with their big wing streak. And, and that's I even with him a little banged up, too. And like, that's he, wasn't, exactly. he wasn't full strength, Jack Doyle. And yeah, exactly. And I think he just provided that that security blanket in the middle of the field for Andrew Luck. And it's just a shame that now he's done for the season. And you know, having that dual tight end with him and Ebron was great because Ebron was more of a wide receiver. And you know, I love Ty Hilton, but the Colts, um, I think they have a shot to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they're going to now, especially after this loss, and then they're going to play Houston this week, which I think they probably are going to lose. But I give the Colts another year or two, and they will be, no doubt about it, especially once Brady leaves the AFC and the AFC being wide open. Andrew Luck is in his prime right now. He's got another four or five years of prime Andrew Luck, especially if he stays healthy and how they built this offensive line for him. The Colts will be Super Bowl contenders within the next two to three years. There's no doubt about it. And they just need to put the right pieces around him uh, weapon-wise. They need to get him another weapon or two, uh, wide receivers. Um, the running backs have been very good. Uh, Marlon Mack, Jordan Wilkins, Naeem Hines, who have been very good. Two of them are rookies. Their offensive line has been outstanding. Obviously, getting Quentin Nelson out of Notre Dame uh, being a key part in that. And also their center being hurt, which I forgot to mention, Ryan Kelly from Alabama a couple years ago. Um, that 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 was actually a bit, you know, he was on his way to a Pro Bowl season. And, you know, him being injured obviously hasn't helped. But, um and there's one the there's one guy who may have been in line for defensive rookie of the year who's uh, been banged up now Len- too. Darius Darius Leonard who's been unbelievable, and I think he deserves defensive or even rookie of the year because he's a rookie. I mean, he's all over the field, and he's been an incredible story. Fourth round pick for for the Colts, a third or fourth round pick. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but Darius Leonard's been unbelievable, and they're really building their team now um, with their GM, with their head coach. Uh, Luck's healthy. You know, last year, what, the Colts were 3-13, and this year they're 6-6, six and six, so they're already a four-game improvement. That goes to show how important Luck is to the team, how he's second in, in the league in touchdowns. It might have dropped a little bit. Heading into last week, he was second in the league, only behind Pat Mahomes. Um, last year, obviously, he took a hit, them not scoring at all. 
um, which was very disappointing because they should have won that game. I mean, even if they won seven to six, right. it would have been great just, win. just, to, just to get that win. Um, yeah. And you and know what? Them, um, with uh, Chris Ballard, you mentioned before, if he brings in a rookie class even close to the one he brought in this year, I mean, yes. really, that team's going to be full of playmakers on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and like we said, we need another receiver too, um, probably to to, to, to to balance out with T.Y. Hilton and Ebron next year, and hopefully Doyle comes back healthy and our, our three-headed monster at running back, which all brings something different to the table. You know, Hines being a pass catcher, Mom Mack running the ball, our offensive line get a couple playmakers on defense, maybe another solid cornerback, maybe another solid defensive lineman or linebacker. And I really, truly think in the next two years, and I think even as early as next year, the Colts are going to be contenders in the AFC. I think they just needed a year under their belt. They need this year of adversity, which is what they're dealing with. But Luck is by far the best quarterback in that division. Yes. Um, I think I think next year Him is and Watson, the year. You know, people, a lot of people would argue Watson's right there. And uh, I know you said he you're not sold yet, is, but, but think, he's he's damn close. He is good. I, I still would take Luck out over him. Um, but Luck, I think um, another year in this system with this offensive line, I think next year is the year they need to go 12-4 and four or 13-3 and three or 11-5 and five and really solidify themselves in the AFC. They have to. Um, and, and it takes maybe another draft class. And what else is very important for them, they actually have the most money to spend in free agency next year in the entire NFL. They That's have the highest time. salary cap to be able to spend money – their cap space so i think that is going to be very important and i don't think they should go out and just get anyone they just got to get a couple key pieces that are going to fit in and and be welcomed in into, into their into their team and and eventually they still have a shot this year i think this loss to jacksonville this past week really set them back but um especially with their upcoming schedule they got to play houston they still got to play dallas they still got to play the giants which you never know could go either way so i mean they still have a little bit of a tough schedule and i don't think this year's their year but um, they still have a shot this year. I just think this past week set them back a little bit. But I love the direction that they're headed in. I love how Luck looks that he's back and he looks healthy and he's making the throws. And he looks great. And um, I just think um, they had a couple tough losses this year, which is setting them back. But maybe next year they get those close wins. you yeah. know. And then the year and after know, that they get those close wins. You know what? Luck really didn't start to look like Luck until what? Like week four? Week three, yeah, exactly. Week one, week one and two, he was a little, he was a baby in the ball a little bit. He was trying yes, to, yes. he was trying to aim it downfield. He wasn't really throwing downfield. There was that one play where they put in the backup to throw the hail mary, and those things yes. raised the question marks. But then, literally one, two, three weeks later, it was like, all right, this is Andrew Luck's team. He's back and he's legit. And then before last week, he had eight straight games of three or more touchdown passes. So I mean, that's just damn hard how- to do. And that shows how important his touchdown passes were because the Colts went on a five-game winning streak. They were, you know, left for dead. They were they were talking about them getting a top pick next year, and then all of a sudden they rolled off five straight wins. So, you know, it just took a while because, you know, it's a new system. It's a new head coach. It's a, There's a lot of new pieces on that team. And I think this is the year that they put it under the belt. I think next year they get a couple other pieces um, to help solidify their team, and next year's the year they have to go 12 and four, 11 and five, 13 and three, and really solidify themselves as the class of their division and a uh, potential Super Bowl candidate. It's it's going to be good to watch, man. I can't wait. I can't wait. And you know what? Last year we had all these quarterbacks coming into the draft. We're not sure if we're going to have that this year, but it's going to be fascinating to see what some of these teams who made legit strides do over the offseason. But we got more games to play. And, Dan, we're going to have you back on the podcast to talk about some of these games in the playoffs, obviously, just four weeks away. Just four weeks away, Dan. Uh, it is a pleasure. I'm happy to have you back on the show. I appreciate you having me back on. It's, and like I said earlier, it's a bittersweet, sweet, bittersweet feeling because, you know, we love the NFL regular season and tuning in at one o'clock and watching red zone and then more games at four and then the late game at eight. And then now it's playoff start and you only have two games a week, you know, you know, two games on a Saturday, two games on a Sunday, you know, we love the playoffs, but it just, you know, it's not the same. It's not the same. (laughs) So you're going to soak in these last couple of weeks, enjoy a couple of fantasy playoff runs. And then once the playoffs come, right down for the home stretch of the the end of the regular season and we'll see what comes you know we could just talk all we want i could talk for hours about the nfl and football but what's going to happen is what's going to happen is what's going to happen so uh, i'm just very interested to see i mean the the new parity this year just feels it just feels different this year the nfl season just feels different and and you know what You're, you're so entrenched in the nfl season that you wouldn't even let me ask you about the mets trade 
<laughs> uh, let's, just, let's just make it simple. Uh, it's I'm a Mets fan. Um, Cano's 36 years old. They still owe him $100 million. Um, I like the closer, um, Diaz from Seattle. They gave up a few prospects. Um, they're talking now. The Mets are, are looking to, to make more moves, um, maybe getting catcher J.T. Realmuto from the Marlins. Um, you know, so I'm, I, I'm happy that the Mets are making moves. Um, you know, it shows that they're committed to winning. Um, I hope they don't really get rid of any of their key their key starters in DeGrom and Syndergaard. And um, I just hope they, they, they build their bats because that's what they need. Um, that, that's been their problem, scoring runs. So, I mean, hopefully Cano has a little bit of gas left in the tank. Hopefully Diaz, I mean, you know, we got K-Rod way back when and, you know, after he had some crazy safe seasons with the with the Angels at the time and, you know, his career wasn't the same once the Mets got him. So I'm hoping, even though I know he's young, Diaz, I, think, I believe he's only 24 years old, you know, I'm hoping that he continues his, his success out of the bullpen. You know, we need that closer since we got rid of Jarius Familia. Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully they make a couple more moves. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just better when your team in baseball is competitive. And, I mean, Mets making the playoffs a couple of years ago, um, you know, winning, I mean, making it to the, the World Series. I mean, that was just such an incredible run. And I'm hoping that it gives me something to look forward to this upcoming Major League Baseball season. That's it. And you know what, Brody Van Wagenen, you can say what you want about the trade, but the most important thing for me is that he's out there taking his shot. And shooters got to shoot. It seems like he's ready and willing to do so. And also, he seems like he might be ready to make the Wilpons open up them pockets a little bit, which might yes. be just the most important thing. As we know, Mets fans have been complaining about the Wilpons being cheap since pretty much uh, that whole you know scheme that went down. But you know what? Robinson Cano, for most guys missing a half a year, you can say negatively will affect them the next year. But for a 36-year-old who can roll out of bed and hit 300, even though uh, you know he's probably off the roids now, we hope, uh, maybe uh-huh. him missing a half a year will give him some juice this year. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just looking at the bright side. No, no, no. I'm looking, I'm I'm looking at hoping, the bright side. <laughs> I'm just hoping he has a little gas left in the tank. Maybe he has another year or two, maybe three, um, of, of putting up solid numbers and you know being you know formidable in that offense and hopefully helps the Mets um, be competitive. You know? That's it's it. That's all we can ask the, for. That's all we can ask for. Yeah. You know? Just want to be competitive. That's all. That's it. All right, Dan. Dan Canova, NJ.com, Jersey Journal, and Bet Stars, New Jersey. This was an absolute pleasure. We'll be talking more in the coming weeks. Dude, any last words for the SBNY pod? Uh, nothing left. Um, just excited. Hopefully, we uh, continue this uh, before each playoff week. I would love to talk more predictions and dive deep into when we have only four games a week. You know, we could really dive into each game, you know, 20 minutes each. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that. And, I'm glad we touched on a little bit of everything um, today and, and looking forward to this week. A lot of big games, you know, like we said, Seattle, Minnesota, Dallas, Philadelphia. I'm just looking forward to see how this, the rest of this NFL season plays out, man. And I, I'm very excited. That's it. Dan Canova, NJ.com, Jersey Journal, Bet Stars, New Jersey. My man, thank you so much. This is the SBNY Podcast. Thank you all for listening.